Hello again, and welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, episode 399. This is the 300th consecutive episode of your weekly podcast about American flowers and the people who grow and design with them. It's all about making a conscious choice, and I invite you to join the conversation and the creative community as we discuss the vital topics of saving our domestic flower farms and supporting a floral industry that relies on a safe, seasonal, and local supply of flowers and foliage. This podcast is brought to you by slowflowers.com, the free nationwide online directory to florists, shops, and studios who design with American-grown flowers and to the farms that grow those blooms. It's the conscious choice for buying and sending flowers. Part of the Slow Flowers movement is coming together as a community, and you're invited to join me at the third annual Slow Flowers Summit on July 1st and 2nd in St. Paul, Minnesota. If you've been thinking about attending, listen for our special May Day ticket promotion at the end of this episode. I'll share all the details then. And thank you to our lead sponsor, Florist Review Magazine. I'm delighted to serve as contributing editor for Slow Flowers Journal, found in the pages of Florist Review. It's the leading trade magazine in the floral industry and the only independent periodical for the retail, wholesale, and supplier market. Take advantage of our special subscription offer for members of the Slow Flowers community at deborahprincing.com, where you can also find the show notes for today's episode 399. Our first partner spotlight welcomes back returning sponsor Arctic Alaska Peonies for 2019, and the timing couldn't be better. Arctic Alaska Peonies is a cooperative of family farms in the heart of Alaska, working together to grow and distribute fresh, stunning, high-quality peony varieties during the months of July and August, when the normal growing season is complete elsewhere. Arctic Alaska Peonies operates three pack houses supplying peonies throughout the U.S. and Canada. Visit them today at arcticalaskapeonies.com. Our theme for 2019, 50 States of Slow Flowers, continues today with Stacy Schmidt of Narrow Trail Farm based in Baldwin City, Kansas. So listen for our conversation during the second half of this episode. But first, let's get the party started because I have a very special guest to help me celebrate our 300th episode of the Slow Flowers podcast. Yes, for 300 consecutive weeks, ever since our first episode aired on July 23rd, 2013, I've brought you original programming about local, seasonal, and sustainable flowers and the people who grow and design with them. The Slow Flowers podcast is different. My audio storytelling is inclusive and welcoming to you, and I hope you picture it the way I do. We're all sitting together in a beautiful field of flowers or curled up around the fireplace sipping mugs of tea. It's a community gathering place for voices, insights, ideas, and encouragement, bringing you nearly six years of meaningful and informative content delivered through your earbuds. The Seattle Times just called this podcast, quote, a lively platform for voices in the local flowers movement throughout the country, which will have you craving blossoms and blooms. Each week, you join my engaging conversations with flower farmers, floral designers, cut flower and plant experts, authors, entrepreneurs, and innovators in the Slow Flowers community. And I thank you for joining me. For our 300th episode, I'm so pleased to welcome Teresa Sabankaya of the Bonnie Dune Garden Company based in Santa Cruz, California. 
Teresa is a past guest of this podcast, but it has been quite a while since you've heard from her here, more than four years actually, since we recorded our conversation back in April of 2015 when I visited her shop studio and garden. A lot has happened with Teresa, who I call a slow flowers pioneer. Like me, you may have first met this passionate artist in the pages of Flower Confidential, Amy Stewart's 2007 book about the good, the bad, and the beautiful in the business of flowers. You can hear our 2015 conversation, episode 187, by following the link in today's show notes at deborahprincing.com. In 2017, Teresa joined Amy Stewart and other speakers at our first Slow Flower Summit held in Seattle. Teresa's presentation about the modern language of flowers and her signature aesthetic, creating message-laden posy bouquets, captivated the summit audience and engaged our curiosity about floral meanings in design. At that presentation, Teresa mentioned wanting to produce a book about posies and the extensive modern language flower dictionary that she has spent years compiling. And while so many people say they want to write a book, Teresa's book idea has actually become a beautiful reality. Her new endeavor, The Posy Book, will be published in one week by the Countryman Press, a division of W.W. Norton and Company. And we have the exclusive first peek inside its pages with today's conversation with Teresa. I'm so excited to welcome her here and be sure to listen to the end of this show, where I will give you the details on how you can enter a random drawing to win a copy of her special book. The Posey Book's tagline is Garden-Inspired Bouquets That Tell a Story. And in its 255 pages, you will find Teresa's floral recipes for more than 20 flower arrangements, along with the message each flower communicates. Yellow roses convey friendship. Silverleaf geranium articulates admiration, for example. There are step-by-step instructions, ideas for seasonal variations, and a modern floral dictionary with hundreds of entries. After hearing from Teresa Sabankaya, you'll also believe that whatever the sentiment, say it with a posy. Check out photos of Teresa, her posies, and this exquisite new book in today's show notes at deborahprinzing.com for episode 399. There you will also find links to her social places so you can follow her work and learn more. Let's jump right into the conversation. Welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing. And first of all, I have to say happy birthday to us. It's our 300th episode, and that's a really exciting milestone and marker to just to acknowledge, mainly because the average podcast fizzles out after seven episodes. So we're on a roll here, folks, and it's only because of the listeners and the guests who have kept this uh, little idea alive and blooming. With that, as backdrop, I want to welcome my very special guest for this episode, Teresa Sabankaya of Bonnie Dune Garden Company. Hi, Teresa. Hi, Deborah. So happy to be here with you. I am so glad this worked out. We've been wanting to uh, get you back on the podcast. It's been about three years or maybe four. Um, and uh, when I visited you in Santa Cruz, and so in a way, we're come, we've come full circle because you wrote in um, the foreword of your book uh, a little bit about, oh, not the foreword, excuse me, the acknowledgments, a little bit about how I visited you at your garden and you gave me a posy. And mm-hmm. you asked me if, and I loved it, and it was a message posy, and we'll talk about that. And um, you asked me, 
did I think that there was a book in it? And I said, absolutely, yes. And you took, you took that idea and you have to have drive to do a book, Teresa. And you, you imagined this beautiful book that I'm holding in my hand into reality. So congratulations. Thank you so much. Okay, the Posey book, Garden-Inspired Bouquets That Tell a Story, by Teresa Sabankaya. The foreword is by our good mutual friend, Amy Stewart, which is delightful. And there's another line on the cover that says, with a modern floral dictionary. So, Teresa, give us a snapshot of what this book is. And I know it has a lot of things. So, um, (laughs) And people are going to be able to see photos um, that we'll share on the show notes uh, uh, for today's episode. So um, they'll be, okay. they can be Googling while they're listening to us. Sure. Well, um, gosh, where do I start? Well, first of all, the, <laughs> the release date is May 7th. And okay. um, as you said, um, it, the, book was, the book has been in my head for at least 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, it goes way back to when I first started my, before actually I started my flower shop, um, enamored with the idea that, yes, um, you know, flowers are beautiful in creating um, incredibly gorgeous floral arrangements. Um, Everybody loves them. I mean, who wouldn't love getting a flower arrangement? Um, But I guess, you know, the gardener kind of set in. I've always been, it was the garden first, Mm -hmm. you know, that inspired me to start the business. And I always, you know, as I'm planting, cultivating, doing wedding flowers, always in the back of my mind was um, the nostalgic aspect Mm. of the language Mm -hmm. that these beautiful, beautiful flowers and plants and herbs carry. And that there was a time and place in our history where, they were utilized, um, you know, to create sentiments, Mm. um, and carry messages. And that just really, um, infatuated me. And I, I, I guess, you know, a lot of it was that we've left it behind, um, as a society and especially in modern floristry, we really don't talk a whole lot about what flowers mean. So when I started my business, I always wanted to incorporate something that would at least, at the very least, nod, give a nod to that part of our history. And with the book, I'm able not only to do that, but I'm able to hopefully, um, with the posy, basically being the modern vehicle Mm -hmm. for that, um, teach people in the industry, the flower industry, as well as out of the industry, um, that we should start using the language of flowers a little bit more because it's out there for us. And it's a wonderful way to utilize, you know, beautiful floral arrangements. I love know. it. Yeah. It's so interesting. I just heard a, a conversation on public radio last week about whether emojis are going to become a viable language like a non-written <laughs> language and now i'm thinking about the fact that the posy the victorian inspired or maybe other cultures um have adopted ways of expressing themselves through flowers mm-hmm. that was like the original emoji yeah the 16th century emojis <laughs> yep <laughs> that's exactly what they are <laughs> well you're so, right so there's kind of two things going on one is that the individual flowers and herbs and plants have uh kind of these deep 
deeply associated meanings that you've you've really um you studied it like a foreign language and now it's since it's integrated into everything you're doing and so i want to talk about that and then the other part is that the posy is a design style that you've adopted to express these meanings right exactly yes Mm -hmm. so let's talk a little bit about the language how did you become so enamored with studying the history of um the language of flowers you know my husband has always told me, you came from another century. You're just not. <laughs> I, I have, well, you know, um, I talk about this in the book, um, how I became so enamored in this. I remember back in high school, did you guys do this where, um, and I went to high school in Michigan. Okay. We, they, we had carnation days. Um, and oh, what was that? Yeah. Okay. It was so cool. Maybe that's what started really now that I'm thinking about it. Um, Carnation days, what it happened once in the school year and you would order. Okay. They, they gave all the students these little order forms and it was all free. You would just order a carnation for another person mm, mm-hmm. and you had to choose what color um, carnation because it all meant something different in the language of flowers. Oh my goodness. This yeah, is like so a public the, school. I, yes, it was in Michigan. Yeah. I'll, I'll never forget just how, I think it was Michigan. Was this in, it could have been middle school in Arkansas. I can't remember. It was the, I was in Arkansas during my middle school years. <laughs> Maybe that I'm lost. Anyway, I don't, can't remember if it was middle school or high school. I just remember being just absolutely fascinated that you could send these messages and not have to talk to them. <laughs> right. Especially if it was someone you had a crush on or Exactly. Whatever. Oh my gosh. It was such a big deal because, you know, oh my gosh, Carnation Days came and it was like almost stressful to find out, okay, who's going to get a red one? Who's going to get a pink one? And who's going to get a yellow one? Because they all those are all names. messages. And, you let know? Me, and I, I just have to stop here and put in my little slow flowers comment. And that is that, those carnations in because that was in like the 70s or 80s right yes they yeah. were u.s grown carnations at the yep. time and there was some mm-hmm. greenhouse in arkansas or michigan cranking those yep. out so yes you wouldn't absolutely. see that necessarily happening at high schools you do have to do it with a different flower uh now right but yeah. so unfortunately yeah, yeah. <laughs> so fast forward <laughs> to your adult life <laughs> and you kept <laughs> doing this yeah um yeah, like I said, I just I just started collecting. Um, I guess in my late teens, early twenties, um, I I started collecting language of flowers books. Um, and I I think the most um, inspirational one and the and the one that really really um, got things ticking as far as the language of flowers and creating, you know, using modern floristry to create sentiments was, um, Geraldine Adamic Laufer's book, mm-hmm. um, Tussie Mussie's A Victorian mm-hmm. Art of Expressing Yourself in the Language of Flowers. Mm-hmm. That's a long subtitle. I, but, have um, that, I have that book and I know Jerry through the Garden Writers Association. That's wonderful. I yeah. would love to meet her someday. Oh, because oh okay. We'll do that. She, <laughs> because um, she, that book um, really, really inspired me a lot. Um and I just, I just love the era, you know, I just love the, the, you know, nostalgic idea of, of, um, you know, message bouquets. I just think it's so beautiful. It's just, they, flowers can, um, emit sentiments and messages 
that we cannot articulate sometimes in words as humans. Well, I like the fact that you've identified in your historical part of the Posey book that this isn't just a, a Victorian, um, you know, British thing. It's come from many cultures. Have, yes. Have it, that. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. mentions like what what have you found in your research to, like to the inspiration? Well, I mean, floral symbolism has been around for centuries and symbolic meanings behind flowers have played a huge part in all cultures throughout the world for centuries. Wow, that's wonderful. Um, yeah, I just think it's so, um, yeah, and it's it's only today that we've only, like, we just recognize just a few little pieces of it. Um, and if you talk, I mean, talking about the book, there is a little part of that. I didn't want to bore the reader with a whole bunch of history. Uh, <laughs> You've got so just enough to make us I, feel like we're insiders now. I thought so. I yeah. thought so. I mean, it gives you just enough because a lot of time. I'm hoping that when uh, one opens my book and reads, especially the part like A History of the Language of Flowers, it's just a few pages. I pulled the most interesting pieces that um, are sort of aligned with our thought patterns and our humanity today mm-hmm. with what I thought would be intriguing, you know, how we operate today. Mm-hmm. Like, let's bring that into today. How wonderful would that be to start using this as a symbolism of that emotion or, you know, a- of that celebratory, you know, idea? Well, you've you've identified how universal it is and um, mm-hmm. that. You know, I, I think there were limitations to way the ways people could communicate, you know, centuries ago or even, you know, 150 right. years ago. We have our own kind of constraints and that it's there, for other reasons. We into modern day, we have too much information and too right. much technology. And how do you break through that with something meaningful and, and, and sincere? I think, Deborah, you, uh, it's it's like... Um... What I really want to do is just that, Mm. because I think it's just, um, we have so much information coming at us, um, at, at just a breakneck speed. Yeah. Isn't it a wonderful idea to just slow down for a minute? You know, let's say someone has suffered a tragedy and they're really struggling, um, I, I love the idea of putting a little bit of thought into sending you flowers and, you know, creating a message behind it. I think it's just such a beautiful idea. Well, I think this is where the posy comes in. And then your, your inventiveness as an artist is that you aren't sending one type of flower with one meaning. You're, you're kind of curating a message that has a number of herbs, flowers, and parts of plants mm-hmm. that... Um, Tell a, cre- sto- tell a story. Tell a story. Exactly. They Go create ahead. an overall sentiment. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the book, um, I've, I've offered uh, the Posey recipes. And I think there are about... Um, like 20 or so, right? Yeah. Um, I think there's 24 recipes in there for different occasions. So... Um, of course, there's birthday wishes and welcoming a baby girl or a baby boy. There's a housewarming and there's a congratulations. I tried to touch on all the, you know, um, large 
you know, milestones in our <laughs> lives. Um, but, I know that it's but beautiful. There's so much more than that. Right. You know, you can just do a day to day. Hey, you know, I love you and just have a great day. You know, just thinking of you, uh, any sentiment known to man right. can be conveyed right. through these little message bouquets. Well, and the way that there's sort of two geniuses here. One is that you actually show the very special uh, design steps to create a posy because it's a compact, uh, mm -hmm. multi-textural, you know, kind of endeavor. And and I maybe you can talk, just talk about how you develop that technique. Um, you're having to be very thoughtful about every stem you add. You're not just trying to make a puff ball. Right. Right. So um, I was trying to when when I created the modern day posy, um, I'm trying to mesh, you know, histor uh, you know, a nod to history. What was a posy in the history? Mm -hmm. And that's a whole other thing because um, posies were different things. You know, in the 15th century, po a posy was actually a ring that you wear on your finger that had it was inscribed. There would be a message inscribed, engraved on the inside of it. Wow. Yes. Um, and and then a posy became a way to ward off diseases. They thought it mm -hmm. would ward off diseases mm -hmm. because they would put these little fragrant nosegays or posies, tuck them in to their pockets or hang them around their neck. And it would have a few herbs, you know, fragrant herbs. And if available, they would put a few sprigs of flowers. Mm -hmm. And they, because at that time... Um, they thought that, you know, this would ward off the plague or keep them safe sure. from other there, illnesses. There was a lot yeah. of power in, in sort of infused in that, that, that right. flower or that herb. And so then, um, you know, the, and then of course the Victorian era turned it into something, um, romantic, um, and created the language of flowers, um, and created sentiments and they would, you know, create these little tiny, domed mm. um, nosegays mm -hmm. um, or posies. Mm -hmm. um, they're essentially the same thing. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm trying to give a nod to history as far as the shape mm -hmm. um, and the, uh, of course, the idea. But but with, my, you know, and then coming from the other side, I wanted a modern, beautiful floral design. Right, right. And they, they so. are, they are, they're uh, petite, but... <laughs> They're, they're usually have, they're allowed. Six, they say a lot in a good they way. They say a lot. They're <laughs> yeah. petite. They're super fragrant. Um, there's usually a lot of textures. So yes. it's very aesthetically pleasing to the eye. And I teach about how to make that happen um, wow. without it looking like a, um, you know, the, the sweet but kind of rustic bunch of, you know, flowers you used to gather from your mother, for your mother, you know. Yep. Um, we're trying to, I'm trying to teach, um, the everyday person how to arrange their garden flowers and herbs and a few store-bought blooms into these beautiful posies that make, you know, extraordinary gifts. Right. Well, um, I'm just looking at one of the recipes that, that caught my eye, the housewarming posy. Mm -hmm. And when I look at how many stems you're including, there's probably 50 stems in this tiny little gift, uh, or mm -hmm. maybe I'm just ballparking, but 
You have seven to 12 stems of Jerusalem sage, which means pride of ownership, which is a wonderful thing for a housewarming. Um, mm-hmm. ten to, eight to 10 stems of broom, which is for safety. And broom is sort of like, you mean like a scotch broom kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Or, okay. Mm-hmm. Three to seven stems of oak, which signifies hospitality. Seven to nine stems of euphorbia, which uh, signifies welcome. 15 stems of lavender, which is for luck and happiness, and 7 to 12 stems of scented geranium, which uh, signifies comfort and gentility. And I I love that um, it's very, like, very er- herbal and grassy Earth- and gr- green, earthy. right? It's yeah. earthy. Yes, yeah. it's very earthy. There's no... Um, there's no roses or peonies or lisianthus. <laughs> Not in this one. I wanted to do that. Um, just, I don't know. I, I, I wanted to do it um, to convey the idea that you don't have to have all those lush high ends. Yeah, big focal you know, flowers. Yeah. You, you can also create something beautiful out of your yard. I keep going back to that because I want this book to bear, to, to inspire the home gardener, Mm -hmm. um, as well as all the experts in the flower business to use the sentiments and flowers and create these beautiful posies. So this particular one that you chose to point out happens to be very earthy. It is beautiful though. I mean, it is, it's so vivid. Yes, it's it's very green. Yeah, <laughs> but the textures are incredible, and the fragrance. Um, I don't know if you have the book open. Yeah, I do. And hopefully, our readers will be able to see this pretty soon. Um, but the the geranium that I used was that variegated, um, and it's a really. Str- I think that's a that's the rose scented. I've never smelt one quite that strong though. Well, this particular posy was just incredibly aromatic. Yeah. And I was going to comment on that. That's the designer in you that you selected a geranium that has this like little picotty edging mm-hmm. in like a, a gold color. So it lifts, it lifts the, um, just the, the eye to see something a little bit contrasty with a lot of yes. green. Um, And I, one of the things that you've done in all of your recipes is, well, first of all, the photography is amazing. And um, you often uh, have a a photograph looking straight down at the posy with kind of the call outs just so people can see what ingredients are um, infused in Mm -hmm. that arrangement. So it's really instructive. Um, And then you also offer alternative ingredients and seasonal variations. So you're thinking about the fact that maybe not everything's available all year long or in every region. That's right. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, it's beautiful. And now for your business, I mean, what, long before the book, for Bonnie Dune Garden Company, this was mm-hmm. this is like a featured item that you offer your customers, right? Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And, and we still do. Yeah, how does that... Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure that just connects you with your customers in a different way. It does. Um, I've, I've talked about there's, um, this many times we've got posy customers <laughs> and we have other customers. <laughs> I don't want to say other at, in a derogatory way, right. but, um, you know, they're regular fl- people, they're people who love flowers and, you know, they don't, they just want a beautiful bucket bouquet and that's totally fine. But mm-hmm. once we get a posy customer, once they, start using the language of flowers to create their flower arrangements with us. They never go the other direction. They mm. never go back. They always want to, 
you know, posify it. To- and, they want to tailor, tailor the message with you. Tailor the messages. Yeah. And we're always so happy to do that. Um, it's, um, and, and interestingly enough, a lot of the customers that, that come back and back and back and are regular posy customers, I'd say 70% of them are men. Mm. Um, and they just love this idea of, well, what does this mean? What does that mean? What is this? Oh, put that in there. I like that. You know? Wow. So, um, it's, it's really become, it's become a real fun part of the business that we, re- we all really enjoy doing. And you're still helping, uh, people maybe with their nonverbal skills <laughs> say what, <laughs> say what they're, that's on their heart or on their mind, which is lovely. Yes. Um, but you have to advise a lot of people on these meetings and you have to, uh, it, by doing the Posey book, you've really advised those of us mm-hmm. who are curious about this practice because uh, the second half of the Posey book is basically uh, Teresa Sabankaya's extensive floral dictionary of meanings. Mm-hmm. And oh my gosh, Teresa, I had no idea. Like there are <laughs> hundreds, if not thousands of plants in this Oh my gosh, like over 50 pages of this, this wonderful, this wonderful uh, reference. And I know you've spent a lifetime working on these. Yes, I have. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And you know what? It's never going to be done. Um, Interesting. Because yeah, it's, it's, let me just talk about the dictionary a little bit. Yeah, I need to, need to understand it. It's beautiful. um, It's, it is a new modern floral dictionary. And the reason why we're calling it a modern floral dictionary is not, I want to just really make clear. And I, I do talk about this in the book. I did not write the language of flowers, right? Right. nor do I own the language of flowers. No one does. I have spent many, many years compiling. I've, Deborah, I need to actually probably add another section of the house, <laughs> add another section. <laughs> With all the references in books, uh, <laughs> magazine articles, um, anything having to do with the historical language of flowers, um, I have compiled all of those references into this one book. Hmm. And they are references, as you said earlier, not only from the English, American, English dictionaries, but American dictionaries, French dictionaries. Um, Chinese, Australia, New Zealand, that it's coming from all over the world, um, which is which is the reason why if you look at some of the the flowers in here, they might have contradictory meanings, mm. and that mm-hmm. happens, especially the French. The French and English fought back and forth a little bit about what flowers should mean. What basil is a good. I always give basil as an example. Um, Basil means best wishes, but it can also mean hatred. <laughs> right. So oh, that's for your frenemy, right? <laughs> I, exactly. So it's up, it's up for them. And I always tell people when you're creating um, a posy and you're you know writing the sentiment tag, uh, which you must have on a posy, otherwise mm. it's a it's a floral arrangement. The sentiment tag is ne- is necessary for a posy to describe what you have in there and what it means. So that's your little greeting card, mm-hmm. you know, to the recipient. But right. you don't have to put all the meanings on your sentiment tag. Um, but back to the dictionary, it, it's it was a, it's a labor of love. 
it love. And the reason why I said it's never going to be finished is because what I've done, because we use, you know, the language of flowers at the, at the store through the years, we have found there are new plants that have been hybridized mm. in flowers um, in the past hundred or so years that won't be found in any of the historical dictionaries. Coleus is a good example. Um, you can't find in any of the historical dictionaries. I say historical because it's it, they, the last ones were written, the last full comprehensive dictionaries were written in the late 16th century. Oh, my goodness. Um, yeah, that's what we have going forward are bits and pieces of that. Like, um, like, like people kind of uh, plucking out yes, a few yes. things. Yeah. The most popular things. Yeah. Um, but... We would find that we'd want to use something like coleus in a posy, um, but there was no, you know, definition for it. So for the first several years, we just wouldn't use those things. And then I started thinking, you know, I'm going to give it a meaning because mm -hmm. I want to use it. And I mm -hmm. don't see that anyone else before me has done that. Mm -hmm. So what I did was um, through my research, I found that, well, it, it, appears that they came up with the meanings by tracing back to the genus, finding a little bit, you know, learning about the plants, where did, where, you know, what are its origins? Um, what are its character, growth characteristics? Mm -hmm. You know, is it super fragrant? Is it annoying in the garden? You know, all these things. Mm. And that's how um, flowers and plants were given their definition. And sometimes it makes a whole lot of sense. Other times it makes no sense. Like mm -hmm. how'd they come up with that? What, why would they, you know, so I have tried to follow suit with that. So how and did you, how did you come up with intensity, excitement, energy, and showy for coleus? Because that's what it appears. I see. Like, yeah. You just took its spirit and, and yep. it, it spoke to you. And it's in the mint family. So I went back and, you know, traced back to all the genesis in the mint family, all of their meanings. Well, mint is one of those flowers that has all these sub meat, what I call sub meanings. Mm. You've got warmth of feeling, and then you have all these different scents of mints now. There's mm -hmm. spearmint, there's peppermint, etc. I see. Yeah, I see that in your reference, uh, just, just in even lemon mint has a slightly different meaning than mm -hmm. straight mint. I do love that Monarda slash bee balm slash bergamot has your wiles are irresistible. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I love some of those old, you know, that that's definitely Victorians. Wiles. Romanticize yeah. <laughs> everything. <laughs> so you can tell that came from an English dictionary. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, um, you mentioned that the, it, it, I think you were pretty emphatic when you said you must have a tag with the posies. So mm -hmm. you've developed um, some tags that uh, you show in the book and, and some of them, are, you can print them on your computer or you can handwrite them. Mm -hmm. But um, these are, you've, you've made these available to people for, for free download, right? Yes. Um, starting, Tell us about these resources. Oh, I'm so excited about this because um, like I said, when you, when you create a posy, it would be a shame if you gift it to someone and they and they they look at it and they're like, oh my gosh, that's so beautiful. Thank you. What a gorgeous floral arrangement. Mm. They're not going to connect the idea that every single thing in there that you have thought about what you want to put using the language of flowers and the message that you want to convey to this person will be missed. So 
I've created the, the, the sentiment tags, Mm -hmm. um, for the, there are, they're going to be, um, downloadable from my website. Um, as you said, they are in the book. What did it, what is a sentiment tag? Um, how to make it. Sure. Cause people could make fun. their, they could make yeah. their own too. Right. Uh, did you, did you happen to see all the different fun sentiment tags in here that you can do? And they're, they're, I, I think I need to start. I want to have a workshop where we just do, um, wine and crafting sentiment tags. Okay. I'll Wouldn't come with you. Yeah. Because it kind of fits into creative <laughs> writing too. So I'm sure I can figure out how to elbow my way into that. <laughs> But I, yeah, because there's an art form to, obviously the downloadable tags are great because I think that's going to be like a really um, kind of a a jump starter for people's own creativity. Mm -hmm. Uh, But uh, for the crafting crowd or the card making crowd, boy, this is just opening up a, you know, the motherboard of ideas. It really is. Um, And you can, I, you know, when I was creating, when I was working on the book, I would go to Michael's. Oh my gosh. You know, Michael's down those aisles where they have all the, um, uh, scrapbooking stuff and the embellishments. And, uh, I just, you could just get, I mean, some of the sentiment tags that I made for these poses in the book and I, I continue to make are so beautiful. Right. And they're, they're like keep keepsakes actually. They really are long after the flowers have faded away. Um, my mom kept her birthday. I sent her the birthday posy a couple of years back, the one that's in the book, mm-hmm. um, that went to my mom. Uh, the sentiment tag was absolutely beautiful mm. and, um, she still has it. Mm. So they, that's they're, neat. they're keepsakes. Yeah. And that you said at your website. So just to give everybody a little um, yes. reminder of what that is. So Teresa Sabankaya.com. Great. Is where you go to download the sentiment tags. So there are going to be complimentary sets that you just download into a Word document. Easy peasy. You don't have to have Adobe. You don't have to have all that. It needs. It, it's super Brilliant. simple. Brilliant. Um, and just print and it, it off. What's so cool is we've got it where the sentiment tag is designed very beautifully. It's got you know you can choose your design that you want to do. And when you download it, there is a text box. You just put your, you just click in the text box and you type out all the flowers that you've got in there and what they mean. And then you put a name on your posy. Could be thinking of you. It could be, I'm sorry. It could be, I love you, whatever you want to call it. The little titles. And you have some fun, you have some fun with those too. uh, I do. Uh, do. Especially the more romantic ones. Although I love the fortitude posy. That one is really, Mm -hmm. seems very meaningful. Um, And then, uh, yeah, there's some you've used like sort of the French way of saying I love you. And yes, um, the cheer up posy. I think that and that is so cute because it has hellebores in it. And hellebores mean a beautiful year ahead, which I did not know. But how meaningful, how significant, because it blooms so early in the year. It is kind of a a promise Mm -hmm. of a beautiful year ahead. It really is. It really is. Wow. And they're so beautiful in posies. And mm. I just love the way they change colors in the garden when they get older. Oh, I know. Wow. I have, uh, some, I have some in my garden. I think I'm going to cut them and make, uh, and make a little combo because this is actually a really seasonal posy. Mm-hmm. Since you have hellebores, which I, we mentioned a beautiful year ahead, Pieris, which is happy thoughts, Forsythia, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. lamp's ears. So these are all things that kind of bloom at the same time right. in the late winter, early spring garden. So, yes, 
Lovely. Uh, Teresa, yeah. I know you're teaching a lot. Are you, are you, um, what do you have on your calendar for, for sharing this book with your students and those of us who might want to come take a workshop with you? I am um, doing a, quite a few teaching at Bailoli, um this year. Okay. Uh, just, you know, some standard floral design classes, wreaths and garlands. I'm doing a lot of book signing um, throughout the Bay Area, and I'm doing a little tour through down through um, Texas and Arkansas, uh, Louisiana, and Southern California as well. Wonderful. And I know that you have, you are going to attend the Slow Flowers Summit. Yes. Actually, yes. and you were one of, one of the speakers at our first summit in 2017. I failed to say that. You actually spoke about the Posey mm -hmm. uh, story yeah. there. But um, you have, um, you've, you're coming to St. Paul, Minnesota, and you are going to bring books with you. And we're going to have yes, an opportunity for people to uh, kind of during our cocktail hour to meet you and um, purchase a book and uh, just have have kind of a, a bonus. Uh, we're only doing this for our past speakers, so a bonus feature. Um, so I'm yes, excited about that. I really that. appreciate that. Yes, and I, if you'll let me, I'll demonstrate a posy. Absolutely, we'll let you. Okay, yeah. okay. Yes. Uh, more on that later. Um, okay. But... Uh, your calendar, you're going to be posting at the TeresaSabankaya.com website yes. too, right? Yep, TeresaSabankaya.com. Um, you can, we're, we're getting ready to launch the new, it, it's up right now, mm -hmm. but um, we're switching it over to um, a site where I'll be able to actually sell my book. Um, and I will be selling posies, and I'm so excited now that I can finally roll out the nationwide shipping oh my gosh. of the posies um, from my website. I'm so excited about that. This has been a touch-and-go thing from day one. I used to ship posies years ago. Wow. Um, but only through, like, phone orders. Like, someone would call. Mm -hmm. You know, they would hear about the posies and they would call. And we always had great reception, but I just didn't have the shipping resources. Right. And I feel like um, we've I've come a long way and I've perfected, um, I feel, as, as much as it can be perfected, shipping the posies where they arrive in a beautiful shape and, you right. know, ready for, they're ready to be enjoyed. And, um, of course, shipping costs are always... Um, a struggle, but yeah. we're working on it and we will continue to work on it. But I'm just, I'm, I'm super excited to roll that out. So that feature will be available on the website within the next, you know, probably the first week of May. Well, having received yeah. a posy for my birthday at the end of February, which you shipped to me, I, I have to attest that it, um, it came in beautiful condition and the packaging was, you know, you probably, you tried to minimize your packaging, but you, mm -hmm. you, you protected the flowers from getting crushed and there was a, you know, they were hydrated. So that's really what you have to do when you're mm -hmm. shipping flowers. It's kind of, it's a perishable product. So right. I, I'm glad you're going to roll that out because I think it's part of your brand now and you know, mm -hmm. you're going to be asked. So you might as well have something for people to order when they contact you. Absolutely. And we've, um, we've already done some subsequent um, ancillary products that kind of line up, you know, from the book, mm -hmm, basically, mm -hmm. some Language of Flowers note cards. I believe I sent you some yes, of those. Yes, you did. Oh, my gosh. I, I don't <laughs> want to use them. They're so adorable. <laughs> <laughs> Please use them. I know I will, but only for select people. <laughs> uh, yeah. 
um, those are going to be available on the website as well. And we also just curated some amazing, um, I don't know if you remember the language of flower posy soaps with yes. the essential oils. Yes. So we now have the coordinating in three different scents. Um, we've got the, the, uh, bath and body spray, the body cream, and now we have candles mm. to match. Oh so goodness. we've curated this amazingly gorgeous gift uh, beauty box, we're calling it. Oh, wonderful. Language of Flowers Beauty Box. Oh, I love that, And Teresa. those will be available as well on my site, as well as Bonnie Dune's site for local delivery. Right, right. Yeah. So you kind of have two businesses. You're, you're, have your, your customer base in the Central California coastal range yes. of Santa Cruz, which kind of goes... What north to Monterey and mm -hmm. south yep. to what San Luis Obispo or Greater, something? Yeah, the great Central Coast down yeah. to San Luis Obispo. Yes, and then uh, this online um, platform is going to make everybody be able to have access to the, these beautiful arrangements. Absolutely, and I'm so excited. I'm That's hoping so that I'm shipping lots of posies out nationwide. I'm excited about it. Wow. Well, I want to encourage listeners to make their own posies and um, post them and use the hashtag that Teresa can find because uh, I know she'll be in, ex encouraged to see how much oh, this my. is influencing people. What oh, I would love it. What hashtag are you wanting people to use? The posy book. Okay. And sentiments in flowers. Mm. Okay, I'll look for those hashtags and follow them, which we can do now on Instagram. Yes. And, um, and I'll share those in the show notes as well. Teresa, thank you so much for including Slow Flowers and our relationship in the book. I really appreciate you highlighting your, Absolutely. your support of Slow Flowers in, in both your um, introduction and in your resources. That, that well, means a lot. Deborah, thank you for all that you do. You know how I feel. I won't get all gushy <laughs> on the podcast, but you know, but you know how I feel about your um, incredible, incredible devotion to our flower business. Mm. It is it it it's so appreciated. Mm. Thank you. I, I'm you, I'm glad to be part of it, and uh, the it, it's conversations like this that really reinforce how important yeah. um, how important it is to. Uh, you know, slow down and actually smell the flowers. I know that seems so trite, but but we absolutely well, need to do it. It's just the community. I mm -hmm. feel like I'm part of a wonderful, supportive community. You have always been there for me. Um, you, ju I just really appreciate everything that you do. You recognize everyone and just lift all of us up. And I know I'm speaking for all of us out there when I say that. So Aww. thank you. Okay. It was my pleasure to have you in that book. <laughs> okay, my dear. Well, I'm so excited. This is going to run um, on May 1st. And uh, I think that the Posey book is a perfect Mother's Day gift. You can pre-order it because it will be available on May 7th, which still means that your mother will get it before Mother's Day. Yes. Mm -hmm. Or if you are a mother, you can order it for yourself or drop mm -hmm. a hint to somebody. Um, mm -hmm. And I know you're going to be super busy this uh, <laughs> the next coming months because authors are in demand and have lots of um, appearances required to sell books. That's just the yes. drill, right? Mm -hmm. That sure is. I'm learning that. <laughs> All right. Well, so may, people may be able to find you in uh, the locations you're going to be at, and, we'll, and I'll share links to that calendar as well, Teresa. Um, Thank you so much. 
congratulations. I'm so happy for you. And it is a beautiful book. We'll share some photos. Um, maybe we can get like a couple inside spreads for people to see. Uh, Absolutely. Good yeah. at our show notes. And then all of Teresa's social places so you can find and follow her. And um, thank you. Thanks for helping me celebrate our 300th episode. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. Happy birthday, <laughs> Swift Flowers Podcast. 300. Yeah. Woo. And, and uh, it, was good, it was good to have you on. You're the perfect person to help me celebrate. So thank you, Teresa. <laughs> You're welcome, Deborah. My pleasure. Okay. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much. Thank you, Deborah. Uh -huh. Take care. You too. Okay, bye. so much for joining me today. To enter your name in our drawing for a free copy of The Posy Book, you'll need to do two things. First, visit teresasabankaya.com, T-E-R-E-S-A-S-A-B-A-N-K-A-Y-A, teresasabankaya.com. I have that link in our show notes, by the way. And that's where you will find Teresa's New Language of Flowers Dictionary. You'll want to look up the meaning of your favorite botanical element, be it a flower, herb, tree, or shrub, and then come on over to deborahprinzing.com and post your comment about that flower and its meaning in the show notes for today's episode 399. We will draw a name from the comments that appear by midnight Pacific time on Saturday, May 4th, and announce the winner in next week's show. Thank you to Teresa's publisher, The Countryman Press. This giveaway is limited to U.S. and Canadian entrants. Our next sponsor spotlight today features ASCFG, the Association of Specialty Cut Flower Growers. Formed in 1988, ASCFG was created to educate, unite, and support commercial cut flower growers. Its mission is to help growers produce high quality floral material and to foster and promote the local availability of that product. Learn more at ASCFG.org. Our 50 States of Slow Flower series continues today with the state of Kansas and our featured guest, Stacy Schmidt of Narrow Trail Farm in Baldwin City, Kansas. Stacy writes this on Narrow Trail's website. Narrow Trail Farm is a small family farm committed to bringing you the best sustainably grown specialty cut flowers, vegetables, fruit, honey, and small batch handcrafted goods. Our farm is located between Baldwin City and the historic Vinland Valley on the original Santa Fe Trail. We are committed to using only organic and sustainable growing practices and clean solar energy to offer you the healthiest products while protecting the environment. As we discuss in our conversation, you can find Stacy and Narrow Trail Farm at the Baldwin City Farmer's Market and at the Lawrence, Kansas Farmer's Market, or at their own farm store Monday and Wednesday from 4 to 8 p.m. May through October, or by appointment. Let's jump right in so you can meet Slow Flowers member Stacy Schmidt and hear her story. Well, today I am so excited to be talking about Kansas, and uh, we're continuing our 50 States of Slow Flowers series. And today I want to introduce you to Stacy Schmidt of Narrow Trail Farm in Baldwin City, Kansas. Hi, Stacy. Hi, Deborah. Thanks for jumping thanks for on the having me. I'm... Go ahead. Oh, thanks. Thanks for having me. I'm I'm very excited to. I've been listening to the podcast. Um, 
Well, I've been uh, working part-time for over a year, and I'm excited to be on it. Oh, how fun. Oh, that's great. <laughs> I'm glad to know that. Well, uh, you are recently joined So Flowers, and I was just excited to, uh, whenever I have kind of a state that's just has a smaller population of uh, Slow Flowers-minded folks, and, and whenever, you know, or maybe I just haven't visited the state often enough to drum up excitement, but I was excited to see uh, that you were from Kansas, and I knew I wanted to have you uh, talk about what you're doing in the middle of the country, in the beautiful state of Kansas. Uh, I, I know you grow more than sunflowers, but that's what a lot of people associate Kansas with, right? <laughs> yes, and, and there are some beautiful sunflower fields around us, so uh, yeah, lots of sunflowers Oh around. yeah, it's the state flower, right? <laughs> it is. Okay. Okay, that must be why uh, you're kind of stuck with that uh, relationship. With Washington, it would be rhododendrons, which are not so great for cut flowers, so it doesn't really affect people's perceptions of what's growing where <laughs> I am. But, um, Stacey, give us a snapshot of Narrow Trail Farm and, and uh, where you're located and, and what the size and scope of your farm is. So we um, are in Baldwin City, Kansas. It is a small, there's around 5,000 people um, a community outside of Kansas City. We're between Kansas City and Lawrence, Kansas. So there's two bigger populations mm-hmm. um, by us, but our the town we're in is actually small, but we're, you know, um, within 40 minutes of Kansas City, which, you know, has a couple million people. Wow, yeah. And then, and yeah, and then Lawrence, Kansas has about mm, 90,000, I believe. Right. So, so those, are, um, those are markets where you potentially would be uh, selling your flowers. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, we kind of have, I feel like we have the best of both worlds because we have a really quaint, small um, town, but are within driving distance to bigger communities. That's cool. And how much acreage do you have? We have um, 33 acres. Um, it, well, almost 34 at the moment. <laughs> We're actually in the process of subdividing five acres off for my mom to build next door. Uh-huh. Um, so, That's so, handy. <laughs> you know, we'll, yeah, so we'll be at 29 uh, overall after that's done. Um, and then we're a, a diverse farm. So we do other things besides flowers. Well, we do honey, hay, eggs, and vegetables and fruit and flowers. Wow. Wow. That's awesome. I did see your Instagram feed with your, your kids in like pint sized beekeeping outfits over the holiday weekend. And I was really <laughs> impressed. <laughs> you know, they loved it. And, and my husband loves having some help because I'm actually allergic to bees. So I can't help him with the hives at all, except I do help um, process honey and then make uh, some skincare products out of the wax. But um, the kids loved it and everybody came back, you know, without getting stung. So that was good. <laughs> wow. So is this a family farm or did you uh, uh, own it for quite a while before you added flowers to the mix? No. So we actually built, acquired this land and built this farm about two and a half years ago. So we, we are still kind of building all of our Mm. perennials up and Mm -hmm. uh, because we just moved to this property two and a half years ago. This is um, my husband and I's third farm. We, we actually bought the first one in 2000. I grew up on small acreage though. My mom has five acres. Mm So, um, it wasn't a foreign concept to me. My, my suburban husband, on the other hand, I think the first couple of years was in for a bit of a shock with owning a farm and all that goes along with it. But right. wow. um, this is actually our, our third farm over the past 19 years. Wow. And then and this, this are they all in the Kansas area, uh, in the state of Kansas or in the area that you're still uh, in? In the, in the Kansas City metro area. The mm-hmm. first one was on the Missouri side. Got it. The, Got the last it. two have been on the Kansas side. Got it. So what 
led you to flowers then, Stacey? I mean, obviously, farming wasn't threat, you know, scary to you. Acreage wasn't scary to you. How did you kind of fall down the rabbit hole, as I like to say? <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, I think like a lot of people, um, you know, my mom and my, my grandmother are great gardeners. And, um, and my mom especially has always had beautiful flowers. Um, our first farm came with a lovely existing cut flower bed. So wow. I was, I was really lucky there. And then our second farm, um, you know, once you kind of get the bug, you're stuck. Yeah. <laughs> I ended up putting in a, the entire length of our driveway. So it was uh, 20 feet by like 350 foot long cut garden. Oh my goodness. Flowers. Wow. Um, and this was when, it, this of, is when you still thought it was just a hobby. Yeah, right. right. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Um, so, you know, I, I, we started making the plans to, for me to be able to step down out of my corporate role, um, and to just running the farm actually about eight years ago. And we, I made that transition, um, full time actually two months ago, but, um, I love growing flowers. I also love, you know, growing fruits and vegetables, but really kind of flowers are my passion. Um, so I, I, you know, it was it was a natural thing for me to go to the farmer's market with flowers as well as vegetables. I see. So is the farmer's market uh, kind of your main, um, like, storefront, so to speak? Yeah, at the moment, I, I started, I was still working in um, a part-time corporate role last year. So I did one market last year on Saturday. This year, I'm, I'm adding a second larger market during the week of Lawrence. Um, and then we're also going to open up the farm to on-farm sales um, twice a week on Monday and Wednesday evenings. And then as production allows, we'll be doing some um, some kind of pop-up shop days where people can come on the farm and shop over the weekend. Mm -hmm. I noticed on your website that you have uh, various ways people can buy. You have bulk, bulk, bulk flowers. Uh, single stems, CSA. Like, can you talk a little bit about how you're uh, moving flowers through that pipeline to customers? Yeah. So, you know, I am fortunate enough. I kind of feel like one of my niches is kind of the more um, DIY uh, bride market. Mm -hmm. We have eight, um, you know, rustic wedding venues within 10 miles of the farm. Oh my God. Really how wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> and I really feel like that's, um, I did my own wedding flowers and I really feel like that's kind of a niche that is underserved. Um, mm -hmm. in the Kansas city area, really people have the option of, you know, buying shipped in flowers or, you know, uh, going through a florist. So it's really hard if you want to do your own flowers to get fresh local flowers. So I'm really hoping to, to fill that niche, um, kind of within my area for people that want to do their own wedding arrangements. So that's the, the bulk piece that people can schedule, and then I'll have everything cut, prepped. Everything will have, you know, the floral food and ready to go for them to do their arrangements. Um, I'll, I'll probably maintain doing um, at least one of the, the farmer's markets long term, um, mainly because I, I love my little community and I have a very solid group of uh, customers that I would feel really bad if I left them. <laughs> is that in Baldwin then, City or where's that farmer's it market? Is, okay. It is. Yeah. So you're and like then, you're um, like the local f flower source and they, they would be devastated if you didn't uh didn't show up with buckets <laughs> at the farmer's market well and and fresh vegetables mm. we just have one tiny little grocery store in town mm. and the, the older population um has been very supportive of coming and and buying fresh vegetables oh, so that's neat um you know my my loyalty is to is to stay within the community at least for that one market 
but I would like to um, start doing more on-farm events. We're going to put up a, a pretty large pergola to be able to hopefully collaborate with some designers that want to do classes on-farm uh, with our fresh flowers and um, hopefully, hopefully eventually do some classes of our own on-farm. That's exciting. So your space is, um, even though it's maybe within 40 minutes of the metro market, it's easy enough for people to get to. And if all those wedding venues are there, and by the way, I've not heard the term rustic wedding venue, but now I'm going to (laughs) search that hashtag. I mean, it's like there's a a lot of old barns that people are using for weddings. Okay, and so so people already kind of, I don't know, some customer base is still sort of already uh, got that uh, day trip to the country kind of mindset, and that you'd be part of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's a couple large um, fruit and vegetable you picks within you know eight or ten miles of us, and. Um, I never aspire to do what they're doing because, you know, they have hundreds of people on any given weekend coming out to do the agritourism piece. Oh my gosh. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I only have 10 parking spaces. I'm not equipped for that many people, but I would love to do kind of the schedule, like, you know, 10 or 20 people a weekend where they could come come over, you know, shop, relax, cut flowers, enjoy the farm, just on a much smaller scale than the larger you picks that are close to me. Wow. I, I love that you've really put a lot of thought into this niche. Uh, and it maybe has something to do with the fact that you've, in your past life, were in corporate, did you say medical device sales? Medical or, sales. Okay. Yes. Pharmaceutical so, medical sales. So you're not afraid of sales. And that, that, that's got to be a strength. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I, you know, I'm, not, I'm not afraid of the business side. I, I love people. Obviously, I wouldn't have done sales for 21 years if I didn't love people. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. um you know, it's kind of the best of both worlds for me where people, I can, I can, you know, share my farm with people. Um, so I, I really, that's the avenue I want to take the farm. I see. Um, I see that. It's such a smart choice too, because you got into this lifestyle, this as a lifestyle at, you know, it's your family lives there and it's, it was a choice, uh, especially if you dragged your suburban husband out there, you know, this is, <laughs> this is where you want to be. So if you can create more reasons for the the customers to come to you, as opposed to you having to run around to every, you know, farmer's market in the 100-mile radius, I can see why just quality of life would be better, as, you know, and your overhead yeah. would be better. Yeah, and I don't, I don't really have an interest in managing, you know, 8 to 10 people and cultivating, you know, 10 acres. Mm-hmm. I really want to keep um, the production on primarily the three acres around the house. Um, which is manageable for us, you know, next summer, I might hire one person as some part-time help, but really, you know, for us to maintain as a family and not have to hire a lot of outside people, I want to keep it on a, on a manageable scale mm-hmm. as, as far as what we can manage without hiring a lot of people. And by the way, I didn't ask you about the ages of your children. So are they helping you on the farm or is it sort of when they're available kind of thing? <laughs> Well, they're six and nine. Okay. Um, they do help. My my nine year old, I joke, is my head green bean picker. She's the only reason the beans get picked because I hate picking green beans. <laughs> Good for her. <laughs> um, my you know my my six year old helps as long as the attention span lasts. But, but they're they're great. They're great kids. They're outside. But you know. They help, you know, I always joke that when you have kids helping you on the farm, you know, the rows aren't straight and sometimes the flowers get mixed together, but you know, they're doing their best and they're outside with you having fun. Right, right, exactly. And when they're really serious about earning money, then then there's this job there waiting for them, I'm sure. 
Uh, my nine-year-old already goes to the farmer's market with bath bombs. So she's already, uh, she's already well-versed in getting her little own revenue stream going. Oh, wow. How good for her. That's, that's so exciting. You're teaching entrepreneurship uh, very early then. Um, so I, I w- wanted to ask you about what's happening in the Kansas area, in the Kansas scene. I know that it's a big state and that there's sort of Kansas City on one side of the state and then... Um, What's the big city on the very far west side of Kansas? Is it um, closer to Omaha, right? Well, no, there's, um, you know, Hayes sort of in the center. Okay. There's really not a big city on the on the west okay. side of Kansas. So really, <laughs> okay. So, oh, oh, I see. So you're really kind of focused your energy toward what's happening in the Kansas City, uh, like, I guess, you mentioned agritourism. I'm sh- I'm sure there's sort of a slow food scene going on there. I mean, is it is it sort of trickling into flowers then? Yeah, it is, and there are a lot more, um, you know, small flower farms popping up in the Kansas City metro area. Um, and I really think that that whole slow food movement is now actually working into the to the flower scene here. Um, that's great. At least in the at least in the bubble that's you know the Kansas City metropolitan area. I right. think it's because the lack of population. The further west you go in Kansas, the more difficult it is. You know, there I'm sure there are little pockets in you know some of the bigger towns like Salina and Hayes, but really they don't have a huge metropolitan area to draw from. Um, but yeah, it's, I think it's definitely gaining momentum within the Kansas City area. Well, I got to visit uh, last summer, actually, at Kansas City, and uh, I was being hosted by Andrea Grist, who is in the floral industry in in the city. And uh, there were a lot of uh, surprising guests who showed up at our dinner. I wish you I had known you then. I would have loved to have you come to that. Well, yeah, I was I was still trans, kind of transitioning out of my my old life into my new one, um, so I didn't find out about the event until after it happened. Oh, so I'm sorry bummer! I it. <laughs> but there was there was a really good mix of local florists uh, who are just discovering people like you, uh, you know, and who are excited about buying locally grown Missouri or Kansas uh, cut flowers. And then there were lots of farmer florists and people who are just uh, trying to figure out a hybrid model for their business of growing and designing. And it sounds like you're kind of in that place too, but I didn't hear you really say you were passionate about designing. You're just passionate about selling to people who want to design. You know, I, I'm trying to educate myself. I started taking some classes over the winter um, with various people. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to educate myself on, more on the design piece just so I can can help others, right? Mm-hmm. So I would love to be able to do, um, you know, sort of low-key, um, you know, part, bridal parties where they come and right. do their centerpieces and you can assist them. So I'm trying to educate myself really on that piece, but I really don't know that I would ever, um, get into event design myself. Now I do have to say I'm totally geeking out on floral jewelry and I, I signed up for, uh, Sue McCleary's online courses. Right. Um, so I love that. And there's actually a store where I sell some of my other products that I'm going to do like a floral pop-up shop for floral jewelry. And I, that part, I absolutely adore. Oh, that's see, that's, I love it because it's all an extension of, educating people about the fact that you're a farmer in their community and that, you know, the flowers have all these beautiful applications. And I also like what you said about having, wanting to open up your farm to collaborate with other, with others who are primarily designers. Um, That seems like another way to dip your 
you know, you dip your toe into the design uh, side of the business as well. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I would love to find some, um, you know, some other designers that, that don't have their own, you know, they, they may have their own workspace, but it's not somewhere where they would want to bring a group of, of people to, to do a class. So I would love to, you know, be that avenue for them mm. um, and then have some fresh flowers for them to use. Mm. Sounds wonderful. Wow. Well, I wish you a lot of luck. This is your second f- full season as My a cut flower girl. Yeah. Yeah. So last year I worked part-time and did one market. And like I said, this year I've, um, I'm just doing the farm and I'm going to do two markets and then like, and then hopefully at least one on farm event, um, a month in addition to the two days that we're going to be open a week on farm. That's great. Hey, before I let you go, um, I didn't ask you specifically, Stacy, what your crops are. Give us a little snapshot of what you're growing. Oh goodness. Um, <laughs> Well, we'll see what happens with all my cool season flowers. Mm-hmm. We kind of went straight from ice to 80. Oh, my um, goodness. Wow. <laughs> so uh, last year we put in like 50 David Austin garden roses, um, 30 peonies, like 30 lilacs. I'm really trying to build out that woody side. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, this summer I'll have all of the um, – you know, warm season flowers. Uh, I've got ranunculus, anemones, dahlias will be going in before too long. Um, gladiolas, right now we just finished up daffodils. Tulips are all in the refrigerator at the moment. Oh, how um, exciting. Wow, that is awesome. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm learning a lot and I'm just trying to, you know, keep, keep building my skill set each year on, you know, Really, right now, I'm, I'm working on succession timing just to make sure I don't have gaps. That's yeah. really kind of my, my, my focus here, so you're to, to get a little better at. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm loving it so far. Oh, good. Well, I, I will be really excited to follow along to see what you're posting on your Instagram feed. And I will be sure to share that in our show notes so people can find and follow you, Stacey, and um, keep an eye on what ha- is happening at Narrow Trail <laughs> Farm. Uh, will you send some photos Great. for me to use, too? I, I will. Yeah. And I, I just got started on Instagram. So right now it's, you know, uh, kind of slim pickings, but I'm, <laughs> I'm committing myself to stopping every, you know, every week and taking some pictures of what's going on. So people, you know, can, can get a better idea of what our farm's about oh, yeah. and what's going on here. Hey, no, no pressure. <laughs> just, just, uh, in your spare time, cause you have so much of it, right? <laughs> Oh, fun. It's so fun to meet you virtually. I know I'll be back in Kansas City sometime in the next couple of years, and I'll make sure I uh, arrange a visit to come come see what you're doing. And uh, it'll be fun to just follow, as I said, follow along virtually between now and then. So thanks a lot, Stacey. I love that. Thank you so much for, for calling, and I really appreciate it. Well, take care. <laughs> I'll talk to you soon, okay? All right. Thanks, Stacey. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. Thank you 
so much for joining me today, and I'm so pleased to share the stories and voices of people like Teresa and Stacy. I'm continually inspired by the incredible people who are making our world a better place through flowers and farming. As I seek new and inspiring voices, people with passion, heart, commitment, and expertise to share with you, it's my wish that today's episode gave you at least one inspiring insight or tip to apply to your floral enterprise. What you gain will be multiplied as you pay it forward and help someone else. I thought of the Slow Flowers Movement this week while reading an article written by New York Times food editor Sam Sifton, in which he acknowledged the James Beard Foundation's Media Awards for 2019 that named the New York Times Publication of the Year. Sam wrote this, Our goal is simple. We seek to help people understand the world through food. Well, that sentence gave me chills, actually, because it is exactly what I want to convey about our work, about Slow Flowers work, helping people understand the world through flowers. Pretty inspiring. As I teased at the top of this episode, today we're launching a special ticket promotion for attendees of the upcoming Slow Flowers Summit, which takes place two months from today on July 1st and 2nd in St. Paul, Minnesota. One of the top reasons our attendees love the Slow Flower Summit is the opportunity to mix and mingle with other kindred spirits. So we want to make it easy for you to experience the summit and bring along your BFF, partner, colleague, or team member with our plus one ticket promotion. For a limited time, today through May 15th only, when you register for the Slow Flower Summit, you can add a guest for $225. This applies to anyone who has already registered, as well as new ticket buyers. We'll meet you in St. Paul, Minnesota, a.k.a. the Twin Cities on July 1st and 2nd, 2019 for the best and most inspiring floral mind meld around. Join an amazing community of progressive designers, farmer florists, flower farmers, and leaders in the sustainable floral marketplace. You can find the plus one promo option by following our register link at slowflowerssummit.com. I look forward to connecting with you there. And be sure to check out our bonus pre-summit event, Dinner on the Farm, which takes place Sunday, June 30th. There are tickets for that available still as well. Truly, we have a vital and vibrant community of flower farmers and floral designers who together define the Slow Flowers movement. As our cause gains more supporters and more passionate participants who believe in the importance of the American cut flower industry, the momentum is contagious. I know you feel it too. I value your support and invite you to show your thanks with a donation to support my ongoing advocacy, education, and outreach activities. You can find the donate button in the column at the right at deborahprinzing.com. I want to send a special shout out this week to Aaron Sterrell of Solitude Springs Farm and Vineyard in Fairbanks, Alaska. He contributed to the podcast as well as joined Slow Flowers all in one week. Aaron wrote, Hi, Deborah, love your podcasts. They've inspired me to take my farm to a new level by adding specialty cut flowers in addition to the peonies I grow for the Arctic Alaska Peony Cooperative. Well, that's pretty cool. Thank you, Aaron, and welcome to the community. Our final sponsor thanks today goes to Longfield Gardens. Longfield provides home gardeners with high-quality flower bulbs and perennials. Their online store offers plants for every region and every season, from tulips and daffodils to dahlias, caladiums, and amaryllis. Visit them at longfield-gardens.com and check out today's show notes for details on the Spring Flower Photo Contest, which continues now through May 24th. Share a photo of what's blooming in your garden, post to Facebook or Instagram, and you might win a $50 gift card from Longfield 
Gardens. And all those uh, instructions are at today's show notes at deborahprincing.com. The Slow Flowers podcast has been downloaded more than 453,000 times by listeners like you. Thank you for listening, commenting, and sharing. It means so much. I'm Deborah Prinzing, host and producer of the Slow Flowers podcast. Next week, you're invited to join me in putting more American-grown flowers on the table, one vase at a time. And if you like what you hear, please consider logging onto iTunes and posting a listener review. The content and opinions expressed here are either mine alone or those of my guests alone, independent of any podcast sponsor or other person, company, or organization. The Slow Flowers podcast is engineered and edited by Andrew Brenlin. Learn more about his work at soundbodymovement.com. Mm-hmm.